Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms to be encouraged, nurtured, and inspired. Also, you'll learn the latest in teen research and trends and get practical parenting tips. You really can improve your relationship with your teen and enjoy the teenage years. Welcome back, everybody. This is our 28th podcast for the Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens. And I'm so glad that you're with us. And we have a special guest for you today. Laura Reagan is a sociologist specializing in sociology of childhood and adolescence. She's known as the Teen and Parent Relationship Whisperer. Laura has a new book out titled How to Raise Respectful Parents that targets teens. So welcome, Laura. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be with you. I know, I know. Well, I've invited Laura to be on this podcast because I think Laura's gonna bring a very interesting perspective. In my book, Dial Down the Drama, I empower moms to reduce conflict with their teens and I give them scripts and tools to communicate effectively with them so that they don't get drawn into the teen's drama. Laura empowers the teens to effectively communicate with their parents and gives them the tools that they desperately need. And wouldn't that be great if your teens had better communication skills? So, so Laura, why have you chosen to target teens as change agents for the parent-teen relationship? Oh, great question. Um, in part, I think it had to do with my own adolescence. You know, I, I wanted to write, they always tell you uh, to write the book that you want to read. And this has been a lifelong journey for me working in youth development. I was a Boys and Girls Club executive director for a little while and then, of course, had my own teenagers, too. So having been an adolescent, having worked with adolescents and having parented adolescents, uh, I just, it, it it was just something that really spoke to me and spoke to my heart. So um, I think that so much of what is going on in the parenting field right now is about this concept of co-creation, whether we call it that or not, um, because this generation is demanding it in many ways that I, I love their sense of empowerment, that they have a voice, that uh, they are ready to contribute. And uh, rather than begrudge that, we uh, might do well to work with it. Yeah, yeah. So can you define what co-creation is since you just brought that up? Sure. Um, co-creation is both a sociological term and a business term about relationships. And it is a, and we do it whether we're conscious of it or not. Uh, in sociology, there's a theory called the social mind and the social mirror. And it's that no one man's an island, you know, no one becomes who they are by themselves, but they in many ways uh, become by the reflections that they're given of who they are in uh, their relationships with other people. And so any new mom knows <laughs> that a crying baby sets the schedule, you know, for uh, parents in many ways, that that child has just as much influence on that new relationship as the parent does. And yes, we get to shape it. And yes, we have more social experience, if you will, but the child certainly exudes, uh, exerts some influence over what that relationship is going to be. And so co-creation is a way to consciously 
uh, use the power of the social mind to shape the relationship that you want that's either more effective, more meaningful, or even more fun. So how does that work with teens? So what I do in the book is to help teens um, decipher that adult culture is a little bit different than um, what they are creating at school with their uh, friends in peer culture, in teen culture, if you will. And, um, and I'm asking them to put on an anthropological hat and pretend like they don't know anything about these parents that they've been blasted into and uh, learn with a little bit of from that observant point of view rather than uh, the participant point of view what um, adult culture is like and then we begin to decipher what that looks like you know so parents might um, be more responsive to you if you had a reason for why you were asking for what you were asking for or if you um, affirmed their fear and protection of you, then maybe they might be uh, less defensive when you approach them about your request. So uh, the book is full of scenarios about ways that kids can uh, engage good communication skills. And it so happens these are the very skills that business owners are talking about uh, the millennial generation needing we call them soft skills and work development. And um, I'm encouraging teens to uh, practice these with their parents and then transfer them over to the world of work or even school and college because they're going to have to um, confront various scenarios in which they need to stand up for themselves or um, understand better someone else's perspective. Um, so I've got a couple questions. So. So a mom listening to this can hear co-creation and think, like, we're not both equals. Like, I'm the mom and they're the kid, and so co-creation sounds like we're two equals, but I'm supposed to be the parent. So what would you right. say to that? Co-creative parenting or, or teen empowerment is not permissive parenting. It is using the very influence that each of us have as individuals in a way that works best for us. And by teaching uh, teens communication skills and giving them the leeway to make mistakes and experiment with, um, you know, what different uh, tones are like, what different uh, verbiage might be, actually helps them prepare for the future. Because um, while, while we, we, there's kind of this perspective, right? There's an authoritarian, especially when we look at it from a sociological view, there's this authoritarian parent, do it my way, do it the way I say to do it or else, <laughs> you know? And there's, there's not a lot of teaching, teachable moments in the middle of that. Um, and the kid can either come on board or they can rebel against it. And oftentimes in the teen years, we see them push off of it, which is their job, right? They're supposed to be defining for themselves how to operate in the world uh, with a little bit more freedom than um, we as parents sometimes want, but certainly this is their chance to experiment with different behaviors and different communication styles. So on one end of the spectrum is this authoritarian view, and on the other end is this permissive view where it's it's laissez-faire, ah, I raised you, I, I feed you, I give you what you need, and, you know, good luck, kiddo, deciphering what this world is like. Well, co-creation is sort of a middle ground. It's saying 
that while there are definite structures to parenting, you know, there's some rules, boundaries, and even limitations, but there's, um, there's also a way to empower critical thinking skills, um, negotiation skills, uh, and let's face it, we as parents don't always have it all together, <laughs> you know, and admitting that, that uh, our kids are confronting a world with a lot of variables that we have no way of understanding right now um, because it's all in process. Um, but giving kids the skills to critically think about that and then process uh, how to negotiate their lives in the middle of changes is a uh, is a worthy endeavor. Yeah, yeah. So what do you see are the communication skills that are missing for this generation of teens? What are they missing? Um, well, certainly they're electronically savvy, but not really conversationally savvy. Um, and sometimes that two-dimensional world of, or virtual reality exposure uh, doesn't help them understand things like... Uh, body language and uh, in voice inflection and pick up on, on those social cues. Oh, maybe this isn't the best time to talk about, you know, getting the car for Saturday night. If, uh, you know, dad's just come in from work and he's frustrated and tired. <laughs> maybe I need to wait a little while. You know, those social cues, they, they might miss those. Um, because of the lack of conversation, I remember growing up, going home to um, my family's from North Louisiana and I remember my grandmother and aunt shucking peas and, and or shelling peas and shucking corn. And it was the most amazing time. I was maybe oh eight or so. And I heard these women talk about their lives back and forth. You know, it was the art of conversation. And our kids don't hear conversation a whole heck of a lot. Um, there's a lot thrown at them. But the give and take of conversation, the respectfulness of it, the 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 dance of it if you will they they often are not exposed to so um i encourage parents to talk about their lives you know use the car time turn off the radio um there's there's you know use the um the taxi service if you will because a lot of parents are stuck in that that process of going from school to to uh, after school activities or um uh, teen sports or whatever that might be and and just engage kids in those conversations um, even about their own lives I know that that's brought some um, opportunities for me and my daughter as well yeah um, yeah I, I, I totally agree I know that the number one choice of communication for teens is texting which mm -hmm. which is super scary and I think you, that's a really good point. And so they're, they're missing a lot of just basic communication skills. And um, I know there's a lot of brain research around that too, that just some things that are intuitive for, like you said, the, um, for us and for our parents is not so intuitive anymore. Right, right. And emojis don't cut it, <laughs> you know. Yes. You know, do, doing an emoji with a happy or sad face does not give you the depth and breadth of, of human interaction. Yeah. Um, nevertheless, I think parents have to dive into the texting, too. You know, mm -hmm. um, we have to demonstrate that 
that we're a little savvy or at least willing to be students of of technology as well because it's an inroad it's a way to connect um, one of the things I talk about in the book is uh, relationship building I encourage teens to do the relationship building work that you're encouraging parents to do inside of your book yeah um, and, I, and I loved your intro about that um, and it was just asking open-ended questions about their parents you know deciphering if you will as an anthropologist you know what was it like to grow up what's your what was your um, you know your favorite teacher um, who was your best friend and get them to talk about that and and I'm encouraging teens to talk about that and simply saying the the reality that if kids are engaged with parents they're more likely to get what they want from parents um, yeah. yeah yeah and that's just kind of the simple truth yeah I think what you're talking about is curiosity Right. Um, so having the teens be curious about their parents isn't opens the conversation. And I know f f of watching the parent-teen relationship over decades now, um, is that, that that relationship, like you said, gets very, very diminished. And the parent can be monitoring, you need to get that homework done now and then that teen reacts and so it's not a curious open-ended conversation so I like what you say about kind of expanding that and um, and really be being present with one another and being curious on both sides the mother about the teen and the teen about the mother because the mother um, doesn't know about the adolescent culture and I think a teen really wants um, a mom to understand her world too, and the mom wants the teen to understand her world. Yes, exactly. And and I have some really exciting. It's it's so funny to uh, do parent workshops with teens and parents together because there's the, those aha moments of oh wow, you're a human being. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you see the different dimensions of this this person. Wow, she grew up too. Yeah, it was different, you know, but um, th those aha moments are so fun. It's just really neat. Yeah. So can you share a conversation about how this works? Sure. Um, and it's, in, in the book, I kind of go step by step about, and there's exercises in it where you do the open-ended conversation and you pick a time where teens not stressed and uh, where you're alone and it's quiet and um, the teen can ask the parent then about their lives and there's kind of a guided question part of that and then I introduce active listening and that's being that social mirror reflecting back the feeling I talk about how uh, you in your business as a therapist uh, psychiatrist and, and psychologist and get paid lots of money to reflect that feeling right back to the person and the last two three words or phrase of what they're saying and um, you know so I hear you you're you you're scared right now or you're frustrated that you didn't get your homework in on time um, that those those reflective statements back help um, both the teen and parent feel like they're being heard and so first we get that experience of aha uh, you're a human being inside of there not just a you know a policeman uh, projected and um, and then the team gets to actively listen to kind of calm those defenses because there's times when parents get real riled up and so I'm encouraging teens to um, 
to to step back and say, okay, what am I hearing from you? You know, um, disengage from it a little bit. And what am I hearing? I'm hearing fear. I'm hearing protectiveness. I'm hearing uh, anger. And uh, we coach through some times where you need to take a break and not talk about a hot topic. Um, and that's okay too. You know, it's okay to. Then there are some topics we talk about writing a note about rather than. Um, using conversation that sometimes that's the best way to be heard because there's a lot of defense or fear around the subject right and then uh, we introduce i messages and talk about i feel xyz about whatever behavior is going on and that works both ways parents get to do that and, and teens get to do that but um as you shared my book is focused more on teens and it's about uh their willingness to stand up and say um you know when you bark at me, I shut down. You know, I don't want to do what you want me to do. Um, when um, I don't pick up or feed the dog on time, uh, I'm going to get to it, you know. Um, but you remind me over and over again, it makes me not want to do it. You know, whatever the, the topic happens to be. Uh, it's kids standing up for themselves again not in an ugly way not in a defensive way but simply saying expressing their emotions and I have a feeling chart in the book that helps kids kind of decipher what that is because oftentimes uh, teens don't have the vocabulary for uh, the landscape their emotional landscape and um, it's either good or bad or happy right. or sad right and and so we kind of coach through a little bit of, of that. Yeah. Um, there's a, a lot of ways to express yourself. Yeah. I, I kind of laugh with my moms and say I think that God created texting for, for parents and teens because I think sometimes that can be an intro to difficult conversations. Um, my daughter used that with me, and it worked. Um, when I thought she was way too young to have a boyfriend, she texted me and said, can I, can this boy be my boyfriend? And, you know, everything inside of me was screaming, you know, absolutely not. But, <laughs> right. And she would have seen that. And so I got to kind of calm down and think about it and think about what would be the boundaries. And I found a way to be comfortable with it. And for example, is, yeah, he can be your boyfriend, but you can't go out on car dates. You can't do anything except maybe be under my house or in his house with parental supervision. And she said, yay. So, <laughs> right, she was happy with that. <laughs> yeah, she was happy with that. And I have, you know, and, and if we didn't have that texting thing, that could have gone so bad. Right. Right. Yeah. So, um, and, and, it, and it also demonstrates that you each had different definitions of what boyfriend meant. Right. right absolutely. And, and, and I think that's sort of the idea of these communication skills is, is we do live in different worlds. We do live in teen culture and adult culture and um, our definitions might not be the same. So we have to exchange those dictionaries <laughs> and yeah. that takes some work. Yes. So what do you do? Um, because I mean, I work on I work on this with with the mothers, but like the challenging thing, as you know, is when you get triggered or hijacked, as the neuroscientists call it. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's hard 
to not go off on your mom or your dad. So how do you kind of coach these teens to not do that? Right. We, t we talk about reptile brain, actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's an example of reptile brain. Um, and, and it's that, you know, if that happens, first of all, you might not have control of that as a teen. Uh, or you might not pick up on the cues early enough to be able to control it. Uh, I'm not saying that they're not responsible for their actions. Please don't mishear me there. I'm just saying that that point of escalation can be rather rapid. And right. and I think one of the, the first things I, I share with teens is it's okay to blow it. You know, it's it's okay to make a mistake. You really can't come back and, and apologize for that and say, I'm learning about that process. You know, I'm learning that I need to walk away when uh, – the volume gets loud, you know, yes. from, the, from the parent. Um, and and so that's always kind of that that safe zone I, I want to create as a coach with teens is um, it, you're free to make mistakes in this process and you should make mistakes because you don't know these communication skills. Um, and then we back up a little bit and say, okay, what is it that you want? You know, what? It, and it's a simple little kind of role reality therapy technique of, Think of three solutions or three ways to get what you want, three ways to solve this problem. And then uh, choose one of those three ways, attempt it, and come back and report uh, how that went. And that uh, diffuses things when they think about it in terms of solving problems and not working on the relationship. <laughs> you know, it's, it's more about uh, getting my needs met with my parent. Right. Right. Yeah, and I and I also think what what's helpful is is even is talking what I kind of coach my moms is that when you're not emotionally flooded and you're not triggered is that you kind of have kind of set some ground rules for that. So um, and just saying, you know, we're not going to get anywhere if either of us are upset. So um, like it's OK for us to like call it kind of a time out. And come back to the conversation and that the teen gets to do that and the mom gets to do it. And they get to need, they get to have some space and a pause and so that they can kind of go back online to their higher brain and then, you know, answer those questions that you have suggested, which are great. Right. And, and I coach the same thing as well. Um, that's kind of one of my chapters is when not to talk, <laughs> you yeah. know. There, there's a lot of time when we want to do that reflective piece and then we want to uh, stand for ourselves well with the odd messages and then when, when not to engage. And then I also share with teens that, that it's okay to do the written part. And you talked about the texting, but they can do it, you know, on paper as well um, when a situation's too hot. Uh, one of my, uh, I was in a workshop with a mom that said she even kind of had this journal because it got to a point where she and her 17-year-old son couldn't even talk to one another without just, you know, really getting angry with each other. And so they started this journal of responses, and at first it was kind of in this bit of anger, and then it really kind of worked for them, um, where the mom would write something and the kid would write something. And they came up with that themselves. I thought it was a really creative solution. Oh, that's great. So it's the same journal? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And they 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 go to it at different times of the day so that they weren't you know on it at the same time. But um, it seemed to get them over the hump. Right, right. Um, all right, we have a 
few minutes left, but so how does co-creation help with the hot button issues of teens like a failing school grade or more freedom, alcohol use, abuse, social media? Right. Real life, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think co-creation helps the teen be fully responsible for themselves. And that's what they are anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think so much work with parents is is that letting go process of uh, allowing the teens to develop uh, their own understandings, their own definitions, their own skill sets, if you will, to confront these problems. That does not mean that the parent's not engaged. That's not what I'm saying at all. But it means that they are responsible purely for their own lives. And um, that if the kiddo didn't bring the homework to work, uh, to school, and they know that uh, that grade is due, but they forgot to stuff it in their backpack, you let the natural consequence of that action occur. And that's tough for moms like me who uh, come from that helicopter parenting uh, spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> Just to simply allow the suffering to occur, but kids learn from suffering. It's okay to let them experience the world. Um, it's the same thing in many ways. Uh, my first apparition, uh, first introduction into uh, the parenting field was with, uh, as a substance abuse counselor. And so often the uh, youth would not, or teen would not uh, see that they were struggling. They wouldn't confront the denial that the substance use was not working for them because the parent padded that experience with pillows underneath it. Um, so if they were uh, late to an event that was important to that they attend, then they dealt with the consequence of being late. Um, if the um, you know if they overslept, then they dealt with oversleeping. And you know you didn't constantly wake them up. You know any of and that's hard to allow, and especially when it's occurring in your house and you figure out that there's substance issues there and you might have to make a decision as a parent, you know, what do we need to do? Do we need to seek treatment? Do we need to force this issue? Do we need to confront it with an intervention? And those are all worthy discussions to have with um, an expert. But again, oftentimes um, that reality of we are each responsible for ourselves ultimately is one that we want to communicate. And another thing that I talk about in the book is the roles sometimes get reversed. You know, teens confront parents that are having divorce issues. Teens confront parents that are having substance abuse issues themselves. And we coach through a little bit about uh, things you can do to uh, deal with that and hang on to who you are. Yeah. Well, I, like there's a million things we can talk about, and it sounds like your book is just full of lots of practical information. So where can they get your book, How to Raise Respectful Parents That that Targets Teens? How can they it's get that? It's available on Amazon and through Barnes & Noble. Okay, awesome. And there's also links on my own website, lyllesreagan.com. I'm sorry, lyllreagan.com. I do the L. <laughs> okay, so that's... Reagan is R-E-A-G-A-N. So LauraLReagan.com, and they can find you there if they have questions. Absolutely. Okay. 
Well, Laura, thank you so much. This has been great and helpful, and, and I bet there's some moms that have more questions after listening to this. But um, So if you do, you might as, might as well go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble and order her book, and she's got lots of great practical information in this book. So thank you, Laura, for your time. Thanks, Colleen. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. You've been listening to Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcasts. You can go to ColleenOGrady.com and listen to many more podcasts and get other helpful resources. I also have a free chapter for you from my book, Dow Down the Drama. I invite you to join my community of like-minded moms on my Facebook page, Colleen O'Grady, Dow Down the Drama. I'm there every single day giving you helpful advice and encouragement for your team. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.